Good morning, brothers and sisters. Today on this fourth Sunday of Lent, we celebrate Laetare Sunday, which means rejoice. See, we wear the rose vestments. So we're rejoicing, in fact, because we're, we're getting through Lent. We're, we're keeping it going. We're almost, you know, we're halfway there, a little more than halfway there. So it's rejoice. It's not going to go on forever. Easter is coming soon. But we also get an opportunity to rejoice today because we have some of our seminarians with us. So please, of course, keep them in your prayers individually and then for our seminary and all of the seminarians for our diocese and all those seminarians throughout the world, of course. When I was considering on what message I should preach today, I realized it was very appropriate to speak about the nature of consecration. Since on Friday, the feast of Our Lady of the Annunciation, the Holy Father and all the bishops and priests in the world in union with him, did a formal consecration of Russia and the Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's important that we, as Catholics in particular, understand more deeply the nature of consecration, why something like this is important, why it's even necessary. So the word consecration or consecrare comes from the Latin in which you make something holy or sacred. So to consecrate a thing or a person, you are making it holy or sacred. The easiest way to understand this in all of its many facets is to understand the word consecration from the standpoint of the consecration, the most important consecration that takes place, which is at Holy Mass when the priest takes regular bread and wine and through consecration, they become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The bread and wine aren't merely set aside for God's purposes and use. They're not merely blessed. They are transformed into Jesus Christ. All consecrations, in a sense, attempt to do the same thing, just to lesser degrees. So every other type of consecration is doing what the consecration is doing, just to lesser degrees. In fact, every baptism is a consecration. Every confirmation is a consecration. Every holy orders given to a man is a consecration. A special grace and blessing by which, in these cases, an individual is made holy, made sacred, and dedicated to God in his purposes. So if people can be consecrated, the Eucharist can be consecrated. You can also have, of course, consecrated altars and churches. Buildings can be consecrated. Technically, anything in this world can be consecrated. Since God made it all, it can all be consecrated to his purposes and made holy. But the only ones who can consecrate someone or something is somebody who possesses the authority to do so. Whether those are the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and holy orders, Respectively, bishops can consecrate any of those. Priests can consecrate two of those. Anybody can consecrate the first, baptism. But things like altars and churches, only bishops can consecrate. Consecration is dependent first and foremost upon the authority that the individual has over the people or the objects being consecrated. 
If he doesn't have the authority, then he doesn't have the power. If he doesn't have the power, then it can't be consecrated. And only someone who has the power of God can consecrate someone or something. This is why it was the Holy Father's responsibility to consecrate Russia. He's the only one who can do it. Even though the bishops of the world and the priests of the world, like myself, did it along with him on Friday, we don't have the authority on our own. Bishop Jugas, since he is the pastor of the Diocese of Charlotte, can basically consecrate anything in his diocese because he's the bishop. Father Miller, since he's the shepherd of St. Dorothy's, he can consecrate anything within his parish. Only the Pope can consecrate the world and any country within it. Only he has that overreaching authority. And so it was right that the Blessed Mother in 1917, Fatima, asked the Holy Father to consecrate Russia because only the Holy Father could do it. Now, the reason the Blessed Mother said to the Fatima children to consecrate Russia is because if you don't, Russia will spread its errors throughout the whole world. Now, the errors in particular Our Lady was referring to are the errors in communism. Obviously, the popes didn't do it fast enough. China's communistic, many other countries are communistic. Communism even is infiltrating the United States of America. It's one of the common problems we have. So the popes at the time, the early 20th century, they did not heed the warning of Our Lady soon enough, and so the errors began to spread. We had another world war. Eventually they started doing it. John Paul II did it very well. And then popes have done it subsequently since then. Now, whenever a pope consecrates Russia or any country, it does work because he is in the person of Christ. He has the power and authority. He has the keys of the kingdom. And what he binds on earth is bound in heaven. What he looses on earth is loosed in heaven. But since it wasn't done fast enough, the errors of communism spread before it could have been stopped at its source. Now we're just kind of trying to patch up and, and work on one wound at a time. The disease has spread. We just kind of do the best we can. But it's still effective, which is why the Holy Father has done this. So for us, in particular, we should rejoice and hopefully see the effects of this consecration play out in the ensuing months and years. But why in particular did Our Lady ask that Russia be consecrated to her immaculate heart? I mean, doesn't Jesus love the people of Russia? Doesn't he pour out his grace upon them through his church and the sacraments? Why do we need to consecrate anything to Mary, as opposed just to directly to Christ. There's a very important role that Jesus has been given by the Father, and it's that he, in the end, will judge the heavens and the earth. He came the first time to show mercy, compassion. But if people refuse his mercy, he will then have to judge them. Mary does not have that responsibility. 
Mary doesn't have to judge anyone. She is a pure intercessor. And when something is important to her heart, she's clearly going to use all of her powers and influence to make it turn out well for all those involved. If you think about it, if Jesus is the judge, if he's the one who has to decide who gets grace and who doesn't, who needs to be punished, who can be forgiven, and the judge is trying this case, and he's not really happy with the person who's been brought before him, and he wants, you know, he's ready to be harsh with them. But if that person belongs to his mother, and she comes up to the judge and she says, son, I know they're terrible. I know they deserve a very harsh judgment, but I really care about them. Would you please be lenient? What is he going to do? He's going to be like, mom, I told you not to talk to me when I'm working. <laughs> And Christ always shows leniency because Mary has asked. All Christians belong to Christ through their holy baptism. But when we sin against the Lord and the role that we're meant to live in relationship with him, there are consequences to it. We belong to him. He belongs to us, but we fail to live up to those responsibilities. Those consequences must be fulfilled. But if we also belong to Mary, if we are consecrated to the Blessed Virgin, she can add upon our Lord's already profound and perfect love for us, her own concern and her own protection. Consecration, in essence, obviously is giving oneself to God, but when you consecrate yourself to the Blessed Mother, you're giving yourself to God through her. So you belong to her first. And then she, in turn, hands you over to her son. This is important because if we think of anybody in the world besides God to whom you would want to consecrate yourself, it would have to be the most trustworthy of persons. It'd have to be so trustworthy that God himself trusted them implicitly. And clearly, Our Lady fulfills this role perfectly because, as you know, it was God the Father who trusted her so much that he entrusted his son to her. There was nothing more precious that the Father could have given to the Blessed Virgin, nothing more valuable to his heavenly heart. And if the God the Father thinks that Mary is that trustworthy, then the least that we can do is imitate him and entrust ourselves to her motherly care. That is the essence of consecration. When you are consecrated to Jesus through Mary, you then belong to her, all of you, body, mind, and spirit, all of your relationships, all of your possessions. Not only will she take care of everything that belongs to her, but she actually has more power to do so. You, you understand this naturally just living in a country like the United States. You have rights, or you're supposed to have rights, over your own property. Things that belong to you are yours to do with within reason as you pleased. 
And if somebody comes and takes those from you, that's called stealing, and it's wrong. And the law is supposed to get you back what was stolen. So when something belongs to you, when you own it, not only do you have control over it, but it's your responsibility to care for it. When someone or something is consecrated to the Blessed Mother, she owns it now. It belongs to her. No one can take it from her. No one. And she will watch out for it. She will care for it. She will protect it. She will defend it. She will intercede for it. One of the wonderful things about being consecrated to the Blessed Mother, especially individually as a person, is that she doesn't need to ask your permission to do stuff for you anymore. Even our Lord will not simply do things, kind of force you into things in your life when you're not open or willing. But you know how sneaky mothers can be, right? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You see what your children or your husband needs. You don't say anything, you just start arranging it, and then it just happens, and everybody's happier for it. I mean, that's a good sneaky. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm sure that power could be used for bad things, but Mary only uses it for good. She's always seeking the happiness of her children, peace in the home and in society. In the prophecies of Fatima, Our Lady said that peace would not reign in the world until her immaculate heart has triumphed. And it makes perfect sense if you consider it. Since Christ, her son, is the only one who can bring peace, and she is his mother and the mother of us all, then only her heart can bring peace in his family. Mom can make or break peace in every home. Ladies, sorry to tell you, fathers don't have that kind of power. It's all on you. But with Our Lady, that's a wonderful thing because she is so trustworthy. I highly recommend, if you have never done this in your life, that you take the time to consecrate yourself to the Blessed Virgin Mary. There are several books out on how to do this that can lead you through the process. You can look up Louis-Marie de Montfort. He's a very famous one. Maximilian Kolbe has another one. Either of those are very good. But what you'll find through that act of consecration is suddenly life gets much easier for you. Things just begin to work themselves out miraculously, somehow. And that's why our Holy Father has consecrated once again Russia and the Ukraine and the peoples of the world to Our Lady in her Immaculate Heart. Now, I think it's appropriate that I should say for a moment that if you go into the blogosphere and you look at these Catholic sites and things uh, about the Holy Father's consecration, you're always going to find some naysayers who said he didn't do it right or he didn't do it good enough or he didn't say this word in this way or it wasn't exactly how the Blessed Mother said it was supposed to be done in Fatima. Don't listen to any of them. 
They're ignorant, and they don't know what they're talking about. One of my favorite conspiracy theories against the consecrations of Russia is that Sister Lucia, who is obviously the only one who can really claim whether the consecration was done or not, because she was there when Our Lady told it, Sister Lucia confirmed John Paul II's consecration in the 1980s. She said, yes, Our Lady was pleased with that. It was acceptable to God. But there were many in the church, well, there were some in the church, who were saying, no, it's not true. It wasn't acceptable to God. Uh, that's not the real Sister Lucia. Yeah, exactly. Um, the evidence that they had is comparing photographs of her from the 1940s and the 1980s. And as you can see, when you look at these photographs, her teeth look different. So she's been replaced by a double by the Vatican. So the whole conspiracy. Now that's just an extreme, ludicrous idea. And even if people don't go that far, sadly there are many Catholics who claim that you can't trust Pope Francis because of X, Y, and Z. That we have to question everything he says and everything he does. And this is not a godly way to think. Regardless of how much they may tout their own orthodoxy, this is something Our Lady would never do and she would never condone. In fact, she has continually warned in apparitions throughout the centuries, she has warned the whole church never to speak ill of her priests and bishops, even if they deserve it. So anyone, any so-called Catholic who would publicly speak ill of the Holy Father or a bishop or a priest is going against the Blessed Mother. I doubt Jesus is going to be very happy with them. The reason we can trust the Holy Father and what he has done is because he is the Pope. He has the keys of the kingdom, and he has decided that this wording is correct and sufficient. And since he has decided that, God accepts that. And if God accepts it, certainly the Blessed Virgin would accept it. And if our faith is pure enough, we'll recognize in this consecration that the Holy Father has done and the bishops and priests of the church in union with him, will recognize the power of God that will begin to work in Russia. But I want to remind you that Russia isn't really the problem, not anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. Russia is merely a sign of the times. Between you and me, and since this is being recorded, I'm probably going to get some backlash for it. I actually have more respect for Putin than I do for most other leaders throughout the world. He's more honest than most. For how many decades now have the United States and many other first world countries gone to war for morally justifiable reasons? We're bringing democracy to the world. What if the country doesn't want democracy? The only times in which we have actually done this is usually because that country has oil and we want it. That's a demonic lie. 
You don't go to war claiming it's for democracy when there's actually a greater motivation. I respect the hon honesty of Putin's war. He's trying to shore up the defenses of Russia to make his country great. Do I disagree with his tactics? Of course I do. But at least he's honest about it. But we're going to see more and more in the ensuing decades is more war on this scale and greater still unless we turn ourselves over to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. She's the only one who can save us now. The judgment has come. It's too late. But that doesn't mean her power wanes. It's at these times in particular that we have to turn to her with ever faithful hearts. And regardless of what our Lord allows to manifest in our world and in these times, we, as consecrated to the Blessed Virgin, won't worry. We won't be afraid because we know our mother watches over us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.